Shocker, the Jets were demolished in Kansas City Sunday, falling 35-9 to the defending champion Chiefs. Gang Green is now 0-8 and have traded away another veteran in Avery Williamson. What should we watch for in the second half of this winless season? We look back to some good days with the Jets with one of the best special teams coaches in NFL history. The great Mike Westoff joins us for a must-listen, brutally honest interview. All that and more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. We're undefeated. The Jets are defeated, but we are undefeated here on Gangs All Here. Jake Brown, Brian Costello, Jets beat writer. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos. Make sure you give us five stars. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. If you're not an Apple user, you catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, anywhere you get podcasts. I've had someone ask me, is it free? I'm like, of course, it's free. It's free to listen. So why not? Come commiserate with us here on Gangs All Here. Joining us in just a little bit for just an incredible interview that you will not want to miss. I mean, this guy just, you know, there is no filter. There isn't cursing, but he talks about everything in his time with the Jets to today. It is the great former Jets special teams coach, Mike Westoff. But first, Kaz, let's start with the 2020 Jets, which aren't as fun as the Mike Westoff Jets. They are now 0-8. You know, the Chiefs did cover that 20-point spread in a 35-9 win. And the Jets never really stood a chance in this game, Kaz, from, you know, from the first minute this game started. Four minutes in, you already knew it was over when the Chiefs went down the field with ease. I don't even think they had a third down. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was incredible. He throws five touchdown passes on the day, Kaz. The Jets have four on the season. Sam Darnold has three on the season. And Patrick Mahomes did that in the first half of this game. I mean, you saw the difference between not only rosters, but quarterbacks when it comes to Mahomes versus Darnold, and it pretty much was the result we expected. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not sure any quarterback measures up to Patrick Mahomes right now, Jake. Even the ones who are playing well across the league, Russell Wilson is great. You know, obviously Lamar Jackson does what he does so well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but there's something like just amazing about Patrick Mahomes that I've never seen a quarterback like him before, right? Like he's just different than, I'm not saying he's better than, than anyone I've ever seen. He's just different. It's just amazing. And the Jets had no chance. You know, you said four minutes in, I could have told you the Jets had no chance when the schedule came out. Uh, this was this, the most you were hoping for was they could keep it close. And it kind of felt like in the first half, they were doing a pretty good job of holding the ball, which that was the game plan was try to keep the limit, the possessions of Mahomes, hold on to the ball, you get these long drives. They just didn't score touchdowns. And, you know, if, if they had scored touchdowns, it might have been interesting at halftime, at least. They were down by 12 at halftime. You think, oh, maybe they can come out, uh, you know, and score after halftime. They got three three and outs. Then they then Chris Herndon fumbles on the fourth possession, and it's over from there. Uh, you know, they really they could have at least made it interesting. I think Jake. I, I never thought they were going to win, but I thought, hey, if they can come out at halftime and score a touchdown and cut it to 21-16, at least we got an interesting second half to watch. But they couldn't even do that. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't score a touchdown once again. I mean, one touchdown in three games and. Listen, they're playing good teams, and they had some guys back. They had, they're playing NFL play. I know that it was a tough situation for Darnold. You know, he didn't have Crowder, and he didn't have Perriman. Mims had a, you know, the highlight of the game was the Mims catch. It's always every week we got, oh, that one highlight, and that one highlight wasn't even a touchdown 
uh, this week once again. Patrick Mahomes, 31 of 42, 416, 5 TDs, 0 interceptions, and amazingly, 0 sacks and 0 rushes. The Jets did fine against the run, cause. I mean, 20 rushes, 50 yards. I mean, the Chiefs running game did nothing. Mahomes always has a couple of explosive runs every week. He didn't even need to run the ball once. They knew the game plan come in, carve up that awful Jets secondary, and they did exactly that. And uh, it was tough to watch because, like you said, it was 21-9. You score, it's a brand-new ball game. Even when it's 28-9 and you score, it's semi-interesting because for, for gamblers, they were covering it that point at 19 <laughs> yeah. I didn't bet on the game um that I stayed away from that number um uh, but for gamblers they're thinking wow the Jets could might by 19 cover this 19 and a half or 20 I don't know what it was at kickoff but then Chris Herndon comes along and my god cause the Jets tight end situation has been a train wreck you said since Mickey Schuler, you could argue that Dustin Keller was solid you had one year he was Dustin, yeah Dustin had a couple good years there he, he was yeah. it I mean even Anthony Beck was one of the best Jets tight ends in Schuler and you know, Beck wasn't even that great. So we love you, AB, but you know, he was a mediocre tight end. So, you know, it's saying a lot that the Jets have just lacked a tight end for so many years. And once again, one catch, three yards, and a fumble. I mean, you get negative, you know, negative fantasy points for that, uh, Chris Hearn. Just another awful game, an awful season. And he's been just like all the Jets tight ends, and you're not seeing anything from Ryan Griffin either. The Jets tight ends, it's been a really, really tough position to watch from this team for not just this year, but many years. Yeah, I'm shocked, Jake, at how poor it's been this year because in August, Chris Hernan had like he was amazing in training camp. Like, and I know it drives fans crazy when they hear the coaches say, "Oh, how great practice is." So I watched tr- every training camp practice. Chris Herndon was the best player on the field most days, and like was making plays all over the place. I thought he was going to have a monster year. He just—it ha- looks like he lost confidence. He had the fumble. If you remember in Week One, he had the fumble against Buffalo, and then he dropped the touchdown against San Francisco. And he just—I think he just lost his confidence. He just looks like he's shot right now. To me, he looks like a relief pitcher, Jay that that's given up a lot of hits and you almost have to take him out of the ninth inning and put him in the sixth and let him work his way out of this. And that maybe that's just getting him some early throws and trying to build his confidence again. I know people are going to say bench him and the, the Jets aren't going anywhere. The, the, the Jets are a triple A team right now. They're, they're, this is about development. And I'm not sure if you can give up on Chris Herndon off of eight games. So see if you can sort of get him going again, maybe that. And the other thing, Jake, is the offensive line has been so poor that they're keeping the tight ends in to block a lot. So that's what's hurt Griffin and Herndon to agree degree too. They're not going out for passes a lot. They're keeping them in because they have to max protect because they don't trust their offensive line right now. So that's been a killer. And to me, Jake, if you want to see, there's two, two things stood out between the, you know, the giant differences between these two teams. And one is the tight end. Kelsey killed the Jets. And you got to see what a, a good tight end does in a good offense. And then, and I've said this before, I think tight ends are a function of the offense a lot. If you're in a good offense, there's not good tight ends in a bad offense. You know, Kelsey's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but it helps to have Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And you see that yesterday. The other thing, the Chiefs had seven plays of 20 yards or more, Jake. Four of them were touchdowns. Do you want to take a guess how many 20-yard plays the Jets had? I can't say it's more than one, if any. It's it's one. It was the, that pass to Mims on the sideline was 27 yards. That was it. So in the game book, there's a, you know, there's, yeah, they give you the top 10 longest plays. For the Jets, it was 27 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards, 13, 10, 9, 8, 8, 8. And then if you go down to the Chiefs, it's 
41, 36, 30, 30, 26, 25, 23, 19, 18, 18. So that, that's an explosive offense. The Jets, they're about as explosive as a wet firecracker right now. They can't do anything down the field because they can't block and they have no receivers. That, that I'm thinking, you know, Mims is in a second game. It's hard to put a lot on him. The Jets desperately need to get Crowder back. Perriman, I'm still, I'm, I'm not sure about Perriman, but they really need Crowder back because they look for him on third down all the time, and they just really missed him yesterday. Yeah, and we'll see if he's back next week. I mean, you get a real doozy when the Jets play the, the Patriots on Monday Night Football, and the Patriots are 2-5. and five. The Jets are 0-8. Someone must win. Maybe it's a tie. Cam Newton has stunk. They had a chance to win their game, and he fumbles in the red zone. I mean, they were prime. They were driving up the field with a chance to beat the Bills and you know, take away the talks for now that the Bills are running away with the division. He fumbles, and now this is easily the Bills' division to lose unless Miami and Tua T. They're right behind him as well, but the Bills look like the best team in this division right now. A guy who got traded away from the division from the Jets late last night. Good thing we did a Monday morning podcast because we would have missed this one. Avery Williamson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my God, what a life for him. He goes from 0-8. To 7-0, he could stuff his face with Permanti brothers. He's got maybe the best coach or one of the best coaches in the league in Mike Tomlin. He's undefeated. He's got a team that's contending for a Super Bowl. I mean, I know he already tweeted, uh, you know, he's he's excited about going to Pittsburgh. Hell of a job by him to go there. And what'd you think? I mean, they got a fifth-round pick in return. They upgraded from seventh and uh, fifth in 2022. I, I guess you, cause you weren't going to get much more than that for a guy in eight weeks will be a free agent. Yeah. And, and I think Joe Douglas is just trying to get, you know, anything he can. The alternative is letting Avery walk for nothing. You know, fifth round pick in 2022 is better than nothing. Um, and it made sense. Avery's not going to be part of the future of this team, but think about this, Jake, and this can be painful for you and other Jets fans. The playoffs are going to be littered with former Jets because you're going to have Le'Veon on the chiefs and he did nothing. He did nothing yesterday, but he's going to be part of that team. You're going to have Jamal Adams. Who's going to get healthy at some point and the Seahawks look like they have a great offense if they can figure it out on defense they could be in the Super Bowl you're gonna have Avery on the Steelers you're gonna have Steve McClendon on the Bucks they're everywhere and not I'm not talking about guys who were on the Jets three years ago I'm talking about guys who were on the Jets three weeks ago so you're gonna have them all over the playoffs this year good for Avery he's a great guy Avery was always accountable with us always talked after games you know I'm glad to see him go somewhere I hope he does well with Pittsburgh you might have Jordan Willis, too, on the 49ers in the playoffs. If they, I'm not sure Jordan will have the biggest role as yeah, those other guys. Just another guy that they trade that goes to winning. Although the 49ers are 4-4. Four and four. We'll see if they make the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, one of the NFC East teams is going to make the playoffs. What a just, just you know, I, I tweeted, the, the fans should have been paid in a taco or a Frosty or chicken nuggets <laughs> for having to watch that football game on Sunday night. The NFC East is hot garbage. I mean, the Jets belong in the NFC East, guys. Yeah, yeah. When last year they got the NFC East and they went three and one against the NFC East. Remember, right? They only lost the Eagles with Luke Falk, beat the Giants, Skins, and Cowboys. So, yeah, I mean, if that that shows you the schedule too, Jake, of what kills you. The, Jet, the Jets were, are not a good team, right? But they get the NFC West, which that division is crazy. And obviously the Rams lost to the Dolphins so that anyone can lose. But that, that division is so much better than what they played last year at the NFC East. I have this question for you, Jake. I do think we're going to hear from Joe Douglas this week. He usually talks or a lot, you know, he talked last year, the week of the trade deadline. What's your biggest question for Joe Douglas as a Jets fan right now? Coaching, I guess, is number one, right? He can't answer that, though. I mean, Adam Gase still has a job, so he can't. Answer, he's not going to talk about coaching. Sir. What should a fan watch in the second half of the season? Would be, you know, what do you watch? There's so many guys gone. Do you, are you curious about him answering anything for his offseason? Robbie Anderson, offensive line. Yeah, it's. 
any of that stuff. I am, but he's, he should he should hold accountability and said he messed up. I mean, I don't know. I, I think at the time, you know, what Robbie Anderson ended up getting, the Jets should have paid him considering they didn't have much else. So I, I think he's got to hold accountability and say, you know, I made a couple of bad decisions in the offseason. We have to have a better offseason ahead, and there's a lot of money to spend and do it. Yeah, I think the Robbie Anderson thing – to me, is the biggest mistake they made in the offseason. My philosophy with Robbie, having watched Robbie his whole career, was I would not have given Robbie a four-year, $48 million deal or a four-year, $50 million deal. I would not have paid him big money. But when the Panthers came in at two years and 20, and it's basically a one-year, $12 million deal if you look at it, that that's nothing. You know that They should have paid that. The Jets should have matched that. And my understanding is Robbie wanted to stay here. Now he got to go to, with Matt Rule, his college coach in Carolina. So you know maybe it would have been close, but I think if the Jets even beat it by a little, he would have been a Jet. They really miss him because Robbie's not Jerry Rice, but Robbie's re- pretty reliable. He's always out there. He doesn't get hurt, and look what he's doing for Carolina this year. And Sam Donald really misses him. Yeah, and even you know him and Teddy Bridgewater have been a good connection together. As the Panthers are an interesting team. Yeah, it's uh, you know not surprising. It's like the Mets syndrome. It's like they they come here, they stink, they go elsewhere, they're great. Uh, it's, you know, luckily Steve Cohen's coming to save the Mets. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is coming yet to save the Jets. And I'll say this, we'll, we'll close on this cause. I think it's enough of, oh, we got to see Sam Darnold. We got to see what, I mean, he's running out of time. There's only eight games left to see what Sam Darnold has left. He got crushed again. He's already dealing with a shoulder injury. So we'll see if he's a hundred percent to go against the Patriots next week. Obviously he's got the extra day with it somehow being a Monday night game. I mean, I don't even know before the season how they thought this would be a good Monday night game. Um, I think it's just the AFC East rivalry, uh, but you know, it's been a one-sided rivalry for a while cause, uh, but yeah. yeah, second half of the season, you're running out of time. Time to say, all right, let's see what Darnold's got. We got to see him. We got to see him. We got to see him. You're at the point now where you draft Trevor Lawrence and he's your quarterback, I think. Here's where I'm at with Darnold. The fear, the fear is, Jake, not Trevor Lawrence, but the fear is you end up with the number two pick. Do they win a game at some point? Tie with the Jaguars. The Jaguars get the one pick. And then at number two, that's a trickier decision now. Justin Fields, Sam Darnold, what do you do there? But I, I've been on the banging the drum of like, okay, let's see what you have with Sam Darnold. But I'm, I'm starting to think it might be smarter to let just, you know, put Sam Darnold on ice right now because he's hurt. It might be best for him to just get healthy and, and not get the crap kicked out of him every week. And it also might help the trade value, Jake. Like, you got to start thinking, if they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, they're going to trade Sam Darnold in the offseason. What the hell are they going to get for Sam Darnold right now? With every passing week, I feel like his value gets less because he's playing so poorly, and it's not his fault completely because of the team around him. I almost I, I, I almost think, like, if, if he wasn't playing every week, his trade value might go up a little and, bit. And you could people... also rest the shoulder because think about it. If he has yeah. a serious shoulder injury or, or serious injury in general, misses next season, you get nothing for him. You don't yeah, get any not, second. He, the shoulder is not serious. Like I talked to somebody again last night. Like it's another couple hits. Gonna, it could be. <laughs> it's going to be an annoying injury for him. It's going to bother him all years. I mean, pain, but it's, it's not something he's going to need surgery on or anything like that right now. So, you know, that's at least what I've been told. So I, I, I think, I'm not, I'm, I just think for his sake, he's starting to also look like he's getting a little bit of PTSD out there, you know, and like he's getting the crap kicked out of him. And even yesterday it was only one sack, but Chris Jones hit him on the first like three plays of the game and planted him. And then he got hit on, on that run in the fourth quarter. I just think, you know, it's something the Jets should be thinking about right now is whether this is the wise decision to keep rolling Donald out there. Yeah. And Halloween did pass, but apparently he is still seeing ghosts out there. Half a season left. We'll talk more about the second half of the season and we'll, we'll preview Monday's game on Thursday's show. Eight games left guys, Patriots, Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, 
Patriots again. I mean, not many, if if any, winnable games. Maybe the Patriots, maybe the Dolphins, uh, maybe the Browns. They they look like they're about to hit normal Browns mode and regress here with OBJ out for the season. Uh, they lost to the Raiders. So not many winnable games. We'll talk about that on Thursday's show. But coming up next on Gangs All Here is a guy who coached some teams that were much better than these 2020 Jets, and that is former special teams coach for the Jets, Mike Westoff. Joining us now is a coach with more than 30 years of experience in the NFL. He spent 11 of those years as the Jets special teams coach from 2001 through 2012. Before that, he spent 15 seasons with the Dolphins. He is one of the all-time great special team coaches ever in NFL history. With the Jets, he worked with Herm Edwards, Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, in his time here, three entirely different coaches. He finished his career most recently coaching the Saints special teams unit. He's working on a book that should be out in 2021 called Figure It Out. It's the great Mike Westoff joining gangs all year. Mike, Jake Brown, Brian Castello, how you doing, man? <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, guys. That was pretty cool. I couldn't have. I couldn't have done that one any better. Yeah, I mean that that'll go. <laughs> Thank in the, you. Yeah, that'll that's your the eulogy down the road in you know twenty five thirty years. I'll I'll be there to read it for you, Mike. Um, <laughs> how how is everything with you? You're down in Florida. You are retired now and working on a book. It's a different life. You're not coaching for the first time in a in a billion years. What's life like? First time. Well, yeah. After I retired from the Jets in 2012, you know, I I went to work with the media. I did the radio show at ESPN and then the, the television with SMY. I've, all, I've always lived in Florida. That was my home. It's been my home since 2000. I would travel up to New York. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. I, I liked doing the media and I, I kind of appreciated, you know, what you guys do because I got in the middle of it and it was fun. Uh, and then out of nowhere, the Saints came along and, and talked me into coming down there. I did not know anyone at the New Orleans Saints. I, I, I the, only, the only name I even knew was Drew Brees, to tell you the truth. I never met I never met Sean Payton, and they were you know they, they really thought they had a good team, but their special teams just weren't getting it. I, when I went in there, they were ranked thirty first. When I left, they were first, so I'm pretty proud of that. And I loved it. I, I really liked it. They, they are a really good organization, top to bottom. You want to see how to do it right? Go go down there and, and, and watch those guys for a while. They 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 know how to do it. Mickey Lomas is an incredible general manager, and Sean's a very good head coach. And they so they it was a lot of fun for me. I had but then enough was enough. You know, I lost those two games, you know, the, the, the crazy Minnesota game and then the non-call against the Rams. And, you know, I would have gone to two Super Bowls. So, you know, so there I have been five, six times where I had chances to go to Super Bowls and I struck out all five times. So it was enough for me. That was enough. That, I well, went that's home. A, that's a crazy way to end it. I mean, just back-to-back things like that. Like, I guess none of you thought, you know, third time's the charm after those two. I mean, those are gut-wrenchers to end a career. They were really tough They they because we were, we were a good football team. I mean, it was a good football team. We had a lot of... I mean, I thought our defense was, you know, kind of suspect, but they had gotten better and better, especially in 2018. You know, they had, they had really improved and got better. I had I had a really good group. We we were good. We were as good as any special teams unit. Although it is different today because of the rules. You know, special teams you don't have the number of plays that we used to have. You don't even have close. I mean, it's like ridiculous. And, and of course, on offense with you know Alvin Kamara and, and Mike Thomas and and Drew Brees and then of course Taysom Hill, my guy that I found that that's my buddy. You know that I was able to contribute that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But then such a terrible, you know, if, if we get the call, which everybody in America made the call, everybody, you know, in, including whomever, 
all agreed that that was a terrible call. We'd have gotten the ball on the four-yard line, you know, taking our time, dropped, you know, take some knees, kick the field goal. Will Lutz doesn't miss anything from the, he'd have kicked it left-footed from there. You know, then we go to the Super Bowl. And then actually I had been preparing, but with the guys that worked for me, uh, breaking down New England. I thought, we're, we're going to, we'll, we'll play these guys in the Super Bowl. And I, I would have loved to have done that. I mean, much as respect as I have for them, you know, that equals my hate that I have for them. It's on both sides pretty equal. <laughs> uh, and I, I would have loved to play them. And I thought we were, we were the football team that could win. So, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a rough ending to a, what I feel was a, a very, very uh, fulfilling career. Mike, uh, it's Brian Costello. Good to hear from you again. You've been around so many different coaches, Mike, with, from Don Shula, then to, to the guys you were here with at that Jake name with Herm or Eric or Rex and then Sean Payton at the end. If, you know, the Jets are, obviously they're going to be making a coaching change after the after this season. You know, if, if the Johnson brothers came to you and said, Mike, you know, what advice could you give us in hiring? Because I, I think a lot of times these owners struggle to hire head coaches because they project the hot coordinator into the head coach job and it doesn't always work. What advice would you give them? in terms of, you know, what you've seen from the head coaches you worked with, the, the qualities that they need to be looking for? That's a good question. That's a really good question. The first thing I think I might try is I might try to get a, uh, to, for the Jets, because I think the Jets need a little bit more than just a head coach. And I think they're, they're going to need a lot. Uh, I, I might try to get a Sean Payton. I might give it a shot. You know, sometimes, and I know, and I know Sean wouldn't leave New Orleans because of any situation he's unhappy with at New Orleans. And I know that, or, or are they unhappy with him? But sometimes there is, there, 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 you know, there is a shelf life for a coach, you know, and after a while, you've been there a long enough time, you might be ready for another challenge. I, I would explore that possibility. If not that, then I want someone that's going to come in there and show me with the people that he's going to bring in, what he can bring to the table in a way of communication and a philosophy and everything that you're going to get done. I mean, I was, I, I'm just writing this part of my book about when Rex Ryan uh, came into the New York Jets. And actually, I had tried to, I had actually asked, asked to interview. And Mike Tannenbaum made it clear to me uh, that, uh, that they were not going to interview me, but they would talk with me. He and Woody Johnson can talk to me. But he made it clear it wasn't an interview. After the 75th time he said it, I kind of got it by that time, Mike. I figured it out after that. You didn't have to keep telling me. I knew it wasn't a, really an interview, but that's okay. But anyway, you know, Rick, in 2011, during the uh, lockout, we brought in coaches from all over, retired guys. Remember, I brought in uh, Dan Reeves that came in and talked with us, and we did a lot of that. John Gruden came up, who was working at, you know, Monday Night Football then, and is a very good friend of mine. And actually, is talked to me several times about going with him. But anyway, uh, he came in and, and after visiting with us, told me one time later that that was the best NFL coaching staff he had ever seen, that he had ever been a part of. And when you think about it, you know, Rex came in, he inherited Brian Schottenheimer. You know, Brian's, Brian's doing a pretty nice job at Seattle. Anthony Lynn, you know, he's done okay. And he's done, you know, Bob Sutton, the good coach. And he's got Bill Callahan, one of the best offensive line coaches ever. Matt Cavanaugh, the hell of a coach. He brought Mike Petton. You know, he inherited me. I did okay. Ben Kotwika, who was my assistant, who's been coordinators at three different teams. So, you know, th this was a damn good group. And then when you look at that group of football players, I just went through the roster. Yeah, I just wrote it down, honest to God, this morning to make sure that I was writing this. I mean, this is what Rex inherited. You know, when we had, you know, all right, I'll, I'll just read real quick. I'll give you a couple. Mark Sanchez, Thomas Jones, Tony Richardson, Jericho Cotchery, Braylon Edwards. Brickashaw Ferguson, Alan Fanica, Nick Mangle, you know, Damian Woody, Sean Ellis, Shoni Pua, Bart Scott, David Harris, Darrell Rivas. He's not too bad, last I heard. You know, I had Leon Washington, you know, Danny Woodhead, Wallace Wright, 
Damian Tomlinson. I mean, you know, this is the guys that all came along here in this area. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I went on. Leon Washington was with that group that that I had, and uh, I mean, it was an all-star team. I had Eric Smith and Brad Smith and Larry Izzo and James Hedebo. This is the football team that Rex Ryan came into, brought good coaches with him, inherited a hell of a group, and then you wonder why we went to two championship games. We were pretty good. This is a good football team. When I first went in there in 2001, you know, Bill Bill Parcells had left. Uh, you know, Bill leaves a good football team, and Herman walked into a really good football team. I mean, I mean, you only have Kevin Moye center and Curtis Martin carrying the ball. I mean, you know, that's not bad. Vinny Testaverde. If Paul Hackett had ever put Vinny Testaverde in a shotgun, we would have won the Super Bowl. If he had just got, he had, he didn't believe in a shotgun. So then we went to Chad. Chad did a good job. You know, he hurt his shoulder, and then it then it wasn't as good. But that was a really good football team from top to bottom. So, you know, man, I was when I look at my time at the Jets, uh, my 12 years I was there from one through 12. You know, the first 10 I'm going to count because those last two, Mike Tannenbaum came along with a new philosophy. You know, we were going to give Mark Sanchez a big court, big uh, contract. Thanks a lot. Uh, and then, you know, the next thing you know, Alan Fanick is gone and Braylon Edwards is in. Yeah, that worked out real well. You know, I think it just destroyed it. And, and I've got to write about this. and I have to think a lot about as to why it really did collapse. But I have some pretty good ideas. But anyway, for 10 years, you know, you hear the same old Jets. We sure as hell weren't the same old Jets. Are you kidding me? We went to playoffs six times. Six times. You know, and then, of course, when, when, Brett, Favre, when Brett Favre got hurt, you know, we were 8-3 and three at one time that year. And then Brett got hurt, you know, and, and it really just threw us, and we lost four out of our last five. But you, we want to talk about a football team. You got to go from from top to bottom. I mean, I, I would, I, I just, I'm, I'll be a little bit harsh. Uh, I bring the exterminator in to that building, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna clean that place. I'm talking about the uh, people that don't think they're going, they're going because I just think it's a mess. And and really, I was so proud of my time in New York. I loved it. I loved the city. I loved being a part of it. I loved the fans. It was a tremendous time. And now I see it's like a joke. And it's been a joke. And I'm writing my book, so I'm allowed to say this. You know, it's been a joke since I left. So what can I tell you? You know, shoot me. But that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I can't help it. But I loved it. I did. I, I loved it. Some of you guys used to drive me crazy. You were tough to deal with. But, but you were always fair. You guys were fair. I believed that. And so for me, the New York Jets was a tremendous experience, especially for those 10 years. And the fans, I mean, we were, we were a, people did not want to play us. We were tough. We had tough guys, you know, that were good kids and good people. Now it's, wow, that's what I, I would make a absolutely dramatic move and make changes all over that place and start, start from scratch. Let me tell you about a Mike Westhoff press conference, Jake. So the Jets PR staff, what they always try to do is figure out what questions we're going to ask and help the coaches or the players along with how they should answer it which, you know, for 22-year-old kids is a, probably a good idea. For a coach who's been around, Mike at that point had been coaching for 25, 30 years, whatever, Mike would walk in with a sheet of paper, and I could tell the PR staff had prepared him for something. He'd basically crumple the paper up and throw it <laughs> to the side <laughs> and just do whatever he wanted. And he'd answer the questions, and you'd see the PR person stand in the corner just shaking. Now, I remember Megan Gilmore would be shaking her head in the corner, and Mike would just go and, and say what he wanted to say. It was it was a, a highlight of every week was – was the Mike Westhoff press conference. Mike, your thoughts? <laughs> I had fun doing I learned from some pretty good people. Don't forget now I you know I worked a long time with Don Shula. And I mean I learned and I learned right with him. Uh and, and I'm very proud 
because of his assistance, I think I ended up, you know, I got that award that you guys give, that Lifetime Achievement Award, and no one else that's ever worked for him received that award. I'm very proud of that, and and he ended up being very proud of me. So I learned a lot from him. I was with Jimmy Johnson, a totally different kind of person, but yet a lot of a lot of good things, a lot of smart things. I mean, he could drive you. Jimmy could drive you nuts, but but a lot of good things. And then then coming to the Jets, you know what what I experienced there and. And so, you know, I've had good experiences with it. And but my time at the New York Jets, don't 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 ever tell me the same old Jets because I don't want to hear it. Because we could, when I was there, I really believed we could beat anybody at any given time. Now we weren't, you know, we didn't we didn't have the sexy quarterback, you know, when Mark Sanchez was there. I know that. But at the same time, come on, we were we were a good football team. And so, a lot of fun, a lot of fun for me. And I'm extremely proud. And it's really interesting because I'm writing right as we speak. I wrote a bunch this morning already about my time at the New York Jets. I started with Herman and I worked through it. I'm at an interesting point when Rex came and the type of team that we had. So I think in a lot of ways, I'm qualified to talk about that. I, I think I'm very qualified because it was a darn good football team. And I, I went, I just got off the computer and I wrote down all these names that we had. And I'm looking at this group of names and I'm thinking, you know, damn, maybe we should have done better than we did. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I didn't do as good as I thought I did. Because this is a good group, a good group, Brian. If there was any way they could have gotten Favre for another year or two, that, that would have yes. been something to see. Because he obviously, the next year, took the Vikings to the championship game. If he was on that Jets team in 2009 with the running game, the defense, what you had going on special teams, that, that could have been something. Because that 2008 team, Eric's last year with Favre, that was that was a really good football team. Um, First, you're, just, a, you know, you're, a, you're 100% correct. 100%. That means it really, it really wasn't, you know, and then the wheels fell off. I mean, come on, we're eight and three. Remember, we had gone up to, to New England and beat them up there, and then we went down to Tennessee and beat a real good Tennessee team. Tennessee was 10 and we were, when they won that game. Yeah. Right? And we yeah. Went, here we were eight and three. And then, you know, then Brett gets hurt, and we're just not the same. We didn't really have an answer for it. You know, a couple games I think we, we really could have won but didn't. And then, of course, it all fell apart. I, I actually wrote in the book that I, I did not agree with the fact of uh, Eric being dismissed. I, I, I didn't. Eric did some things that could drive us all crazy because you know, sometimes he couldn't get out of his own way. But he, there was a lot of things he did well. And I think as time was going on, he was maturing a little bit. I think when he went to Cleveland, he lost it. I used to help him with that. He was good with that. He, w- he would listen to me, and I could help him. Because, you know, I could tell him something that Coach Shula had done. I said, wait a minute. Now, this guy kind of did it like this. And so, and he would listen. And I think that if that had all, you know, some things had to happen. But yet, nonetheless, you know, Rex comes in, and, yeah, we, we draft Mark. I mean, I'm sitting where I live. As a, I live right on a golf course in Florida, and there's a lake right behind my house. If, if I'm sitting there looking at it, if Mark stood in my, my, by my swimming pool, he could throw the ball in a damn lake. But... <laughs> This book is going to be a must read, Mike. I will say that. I'll tell you what, I've had so much fun. Uh, Are you going to go buy a copy? I need people to buy it. I will pay for that. It's not the money, because you're not going to make that much money out of it, but I just just want the numbers. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, Barry Barry Wilmer's helping me out, and he's done a great job. I write it, and then he edits it, and and then he conducts interviews, and he interviews all these guys, you know, Zach Thomas. Leon Washington, you know, on and on. And then he then he records the interview and he types it and he sends it to me. And then I put it in where it's applicable. So, you know, I'm telling a story about a guy and then I just refer to what he said about it, what it was like for him, what he lived it. And and 
it's to me, it's a really, it's just a good sports story. It's a good, and I don't see too many good sports stories today, to be honest with you. And that's what I like. And it's, you know, it's figure it out. And that's what I did. No, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have my father in there that, that guided me right in. That didn't happen. Nobody knew who I was. I was just a little skinny kid from Pittsburgh that had to get a football scholarship to go to college or I couldn't have gone. I figured it out. And then I had, when I got, you know, I had the health issues, I still had to figure it out. And then what I did, I took players like myself, the Larry Izzo. One of our scouts at Miami, when I, when I told him I wanted to take a look at him, told me that the Canadian League and the arena ball turned him down. They said, you got to be nuts. Well, he played 14 years, went to four Pro Bowls and has like about a bazillion Super Bowl rings. He did okay. You know, so I took those kind of guys, and we pretty much hold the records now. We pretty much. I mean, I, I look at my time with the Jets. I'll give you a statistic I'm extremely proud of. I was there 12 years. We had nine, nine different guys that led the National Football League in returns. I'll take that one. Yeah, I mean, for real. I mean, I'll, I'll give you – I'm 29. So when I first became a Jets fan, Mike, I was like 10. It was maybe 2001. So – I, you were there, you get there, and it is the glory days of my life as a Jets fan. I mean, you guys are winning, you're making the playoffs. I'm like, wow, I'm, this is going to be a great life as a Jets fan. The last decade, <laughs> it's been a little different. Since I went to college to now, it's it's been a whole different world. Uh, you also mentioned, uh, you know, the sexy quarterback with Mark Sanchez. To some women, they may disagree with that. Um, they, they found him to be this beautiful guy. But, yeah, I mean, you go, you go from Dan Marino to, you know, Vinny Testaverde, Chad Pennington, Brett Favre. To Mark Sanchez. I mean, you went from the top of the barrel to the bottom and still found a way to take that team to the AFC Championship two straight seasons. Um, That was a talented roster, and you built guys. Guys' careers are built off special teams like Leon Washington and Brad Smith. Those two names are always in my head because they were so electric, Mike, and fun to watch on any kickoff, on any punt. And it's two plays in the game that you never see. You see even a punt return for a touchdown, and it's the highlight of the week now. You never see it anymore. Yeah, you know, well, there's just no – I'll give you the perfect statistic. In my first 30 years, my first 30 years as an NFL coach, not counting, not counting PATs or field goals, whether, whether you kick them or defending them, not counting those plays, I averaged 22 plays a game, 22 plays a game. My last two years with the New Orleans Saints, same situation. I averaged seven plays a game that's the difference now i'm not see i'm not counting a touchback you know i'm not because you know i could i'm 72 i could run down the field today for crying out loud <laughs> man it's just different and that so you know that the time was different you had all these plays you could do a million different things i mean goodell told me one time when i was complaining about it he said you know you're the reason why we did a lot of this you used to kill guys with stuff you did i said yeah that's kind of right i was pretty proud of it i like we, we didn't do it cheaply we did it right up front but we were tough but you know those things were so so good. I remember, I remember you mentioned Mike with uh, Mark Sanchez. I, I, it, I, I can sum it up really well how I felt about it because we we started this big contract. All of a sudden, I'm going to lose guys, and now I'm I'm really upset. And Mike Tannenbaum came by my office one day. I said, Mike, why would you give Mark Sanchez this big new contract? He said, Well, that's what you that's what a championship game quarterback is paid. I said, Well, if he had anything to do with us getting there, I probably would agree with you. I said, but for crying out loud, he had nothing to do with us getting there. I mean, we led the league in rushing. We were really good on defense. I had a freaking all-star team. And we had an offensive line that was tough as nails. Damian Woody, you know, Brandon Morton, Alan Fanica, DeBrickishoff. Come on, are you kidding me? We were, And Bill Callahan's their coach. <laughs> <It's a> pretty, <laughs> this group's pretty good. And that's what, that's what if the Jets are going to become a football team again. 
they've got to look at some of this history that wasn't that long ago and find out how do we get back to it. And in that building, I'm serious. I'm I'm coming in with the exterminator. Mike, one uh, one last question for me. You mentioned Taysom Hill, and you know we've seen what he's done in New Orleans. I kind of think that's what you guys had in mind in 2012 with Tebow doing some stuff like that with him. But it seemed like you were the only guy that embraced Tebow on the coaching staff. From my eyes, you know, you were trying some stuff, and it seemed like the other coaches kind of gave up on him very quickly. There, looking back on that now, eight years later, you know, what are your thoughts about the the Tebow trade and and that experiment? Rex called me when he thought about the trade. He said, what do you think about this? And he went on, he said, would you use him? I said, Rex, only in really one regard. I'll put him as a personal protector on the punk team because he'd be so good at running fakes. He'd really be good. And I think I can help him with everything else. I think I said, but if, you know, if all of a sudden we're thinking of kind of a wildcat type guy, which is what I believed we were, then, then, then this is, I'm very much for it. Well, that never materialized. You know, uh, Tony didn't want to do it. You know, as an offensive coordinator, uh, next thing you know, uh, Tim's not really, you know, he had kind of bulked himself up. He got heavier, I mean, he can't throw anyway. We all know that. So quit trying to make him the throwing quarterback. It's not going to happen. It just didn't happen. But he could run the football. And as a wildcat guy, I thought there'd be a place for him. It didn't materialize. It just didn't. I liked him for the parts that I had with him. But it was a small role. You can't compare him to uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. I mean, Tim Tebow wouldn't run down under a kickoff to save his life. (laughs) Taysom Hill would run down and knock your head off. I mean, he is tough as nails. And Taysom can throw the heck out of the ball. I mean, in my opinion, they're not even close as football players. They're just, I'm just the way I feel. Uh, but, but, But with Tim, you know, if we had him in that role that he was really prepared for, then I think that was really a misnomer on our part. And we never did even give him a chance at all. And he used to sit in my office late at night, you know, drawing stuff up. And he, I, I remember I'd take him off the field one time. Or no, he didn't come off the field. He was standing on it. He came to me. Now, we got the ball on the four-yard line. He said, Mike, can you put the punt team in? I'll run a fake for a touchdown. That's what he said. <laughs> we had the ball on the four. And he was, but that's, you were right. You bring up a good point. And uh, it, it, never got, it never got in that fashion. And it got out of whack of where it really should have gone. And that's a shame. That's a shame because – uh, Tim Tim made every effort to do it in that regard to go beyond that. No, I don't think that was Tim Tebow. But in that regard, as kind of a wildcat guy and to jump in and do some things, Tim 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 would have really done the job. And he he kept his end of the bargain. I don't think the New York Jets kept their end. I guess that season drove you into retirement, huh? The the misuse of Tim Tebow that year. <laughs> yeah, it actually did. That and to tell you the truth, I'll give you one other quick one. My mic won't want to hear this one, but I'm a, I'm going to write it, so I'm just going to tell it. Uh, at the end, I I got really discouraged about kind of direction of things were going, and I remember talking to Mike, and I said, before I sign this last contract for my last year, I want a guarantee. I said, I, I want you to I want to meet with you one time a month, once a month for 20 minutes to discuss my end of where things are. That's all I want one time, once a month. He said, sure. I said, no, I want to, I want to, I guarantee, I want to bet. Any person that misses that meeting has to pay $1,000 per time to the uh, Miracle Foundation. It's a cancer thing for kids in, in Garden City, in Garden City, Long Island. I said, that's, that's what the penalty will be. If one of us misses that meeting during 12 months of the season, he said, okay, he owes me $10,000. Oh my God. <laughs> he meant twice. Still, still this to this day, damn, we got we might have to get Mike's uh, response to this. You know what? You know what draft pick killed Jake? You know what draft pick killed Mike? 
I remember this one when they when they traded up to take Stephen Hill in the second round. Oh, Stonehands Hill, Stephen Stonehands Hill. Yep. That oh, was ridiculous. I had a choice to make at the end. I was either going to go home to Florida or end up in Rikers. So. <laughs> <laughs> I decided that my best my best move was to go home to Florida and get the hell out. But I love my time with the Jets. And, yeah, I, I'm a little bit tough on Mike Tannenbaum at that time. But yet, back when he was a personnel director, I loved him. I mean, I loved him. He did. Then we became general manager. It wasn't quite so much of a love affair then. But, <laughs> but uh, so there was still, there was good and bad. But at the end of the day, my time with the New York Jets, aside from those last two years in, in purgatory. I am so, so proud of that. That was a tremendous time. I hope they can find their way back there. All right, Tannenbaum, if you're listening to this, you got 10K, pay up. You got some charity money to give up. Uh, (laughs) You know he's got in the ESPN booth these days, so uh, pay up, uh, Mike T. Mike Westhoff, uh, loved looking back, taking a trip down memory lane with you. Uh, Some great stuff. You should really be back on the radio here in New York. I think you're awesome. Um, And and the Jets, we miss you. We miss special teams in general, and uh, we appreciate the time today. You can read about it. You can read about it this year. Yeah, figure it out, book. Coming in uh, 2021, we're looking forward to definitely purchasing it. I will buy it, Mike, for you. Must for sure. read. Must read. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. All Thanks, right. Mike. Thanks, guys. You guys do a good job. Thank you very much. That'll say bye-bye, love. Bye-bye, happiness, to episode 47 the Jerry Holmes edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Go on Apple Podcast now. Give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support all season long. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday to preview the Jets Patriots Monday Night Doozy. Stay safe, folks. <laughs>